0: you've got a Bible, you can turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, I'll be referencing and reading several Proverbs, but but maybe you can follow along with us. Uh, This summer, we're studying the book of Proverbs, and we are trying to regain the lost art of wisdom. Um, Wisdom is the art of living life skillfully. As we grow in wisdom, we grow in our ability to choose the right means to the right end. Um, I know that religious and irreligious people alike both like to talk about making good decisions. And so, wisdom is not less than making good decisions, but it's much, much more than that, because gaining biblical wisdom means that we are tapping into the Creator and the creation. We're living life in such a way that it goes along with the fabric of the way God has created. The universe. And wisdom brings flourishing and peace both to us and to all of creation. And this morning, we're going to look at regaining the lost art of building wise friendships. So the sermon and the songs and the text that we've picked up all about friendships. Um, so I'm going to read several Proverbs and then I'll pray and we'll get into that. Dan, can you pull up there? There we go. Proverbs 14:20 The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. 17:17 17, 17, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. 22:11 He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. 17:9 Whoever covers an offense seeks love but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. 26, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? 2110, the soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. 276, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. 279, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you are our father and you are our friend. You have made the curious, amazing, wonderful decision of saving sinners like us and bringing us into your fellowship so that you could call us friends and we come to you this morning as people who desperately need friendship both with you and with each other you know that we are lonely we're isolated we're confused about friendships Um, in some ways we're surrounded by quote-unquote community all the time and yet we feel separated from others we pray right now as we read and meditate on your word that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. We pray that you would draw us close to you and that you would show us how to build wise friendships. We pray that you would show us the glory of being your friend and the glory of being a part of the church. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Before the OSU football team runs out onto the field, they always play a short clip from the 1993 movie Tombstone, okay? Tombstone uh, was a Western that was loosely based on the events surrounding the shootout of the O.K. Corral. Um, It tells the story of Wyatt Earp, who's played by Kurt Russell, uh, and in this story, uh, Wyatt Earp is going to go off into retirement in Tombstone, Arizona, but he's called out of retirement to chase down uh, a gang called the Cowboys, which is kind of ironic that we play that clip, at the football game, because Kurt Russell's chasing down the Cowboys, but we are the Cowboys. And so before OSU runs out in the tunnel, they play this clip, and it shows Wyatt Earp, and he's got a gun pointed at one of the bad guys, and he says, you tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And all the Cowboy fans go crazy, and we celebrate, and, and your, your heart just starts racing. Man, I hope we get football in the fall, <laughs> so you can watch that clip. There's another clip in that movie that's lesser known that really grips my heart as well. Uh, And that's a clip where uh, White Earp and and, and his gang are trying to chase down the bad guys, and they come to a creek where they stop and rest. And while Earp is off by the creek, uh, kind of refreshing himself and thinking, the rest of the gang is hanging back, and one person in the gang is Doc Holliday, who's played by Val Kilmer. And Doc Holliday is sick. He is about to die. He's coughing all the time. His face looks pale. And one of the other guys looks at him and says, Doc, you ought to be in bed. Why, what are you doing this for anyways? And Doc says, Wyatt Earp is my friend. Another guy says, well, I got plenty of friends, Doc. And Doc, staring off into space with death in his eyes, Says, I don't. In that moment, you see a man who realizes that friendship is valuable and necessary, but it's rare. Um, I think that clip grips me uh, because the older I get, the more I realize that my friendships are valuable and necessary but they're rare. And the more I realized that I need good friends. I need to regain the art of making wise friendships. And the first thing I simply want us to see this morning, um, as we sort of jump into the text is, that we need to build wise friendships. And, and I'm going to belabor this point because we live in a culture that's surrounded with community and friendships and all these apps and programs and techniques and all that stuff, yet we are lonelier than ever. Uh, researchers have sounded the alarm over the last few years that there is a new epidemic and it is not COVID-19 and the coronavirus, it is loneliness. They've even coined the term the loneliness epidemic. Uh, studies say that anywhere from 20 to 50% of Americans could be categorized as lonely. Um, This loneliness affects all ages and stages. Uh, We've long known that the elderly are lonely because of their stage in life. But a few years ago, another report came out that said that one of the most serious health risks for middle-aged men is loneliness. Uh, Other research surveyed all the different generations, and it said that Generation Z, which is born in the 90s and the 2000s, which would basically be the the college students we have now, showed higher rates of loneliness than other generations. And all the research shows that this loneliness carries consequences. In 2015, BYU released a research uh, on 3.5 million people over 35 years that says people categorized as lonely, isolated, or living alone show premature death rates of 26 to 32% higher than the rest of the population. Uh, One study I read about had people stand in a circle and play a simple game of catch. They gave them a ball, and they said, we just want you to throw this ball around. But unbeknownst to one person, they said, don't throw it to this one person. This person didn't know it, but everybody else in the circle was playing catch, but they never got the ball. And then after the, the, the study was done, they interviewed that person. And they asked them how that made them feel, and they said that they felt um, lonely and isolated, and that they eventually felt like there was no purpose or no meaning to their life. Uh, Britain thought that loneliness was such a bad problem that they appointed someone to be a minister of loneliness in their country. The overwhelming research shows... That as a culture we're incredibly lonely. We're all standing in a circle waiting for someone to throw the ball to us. Uh, Loneliness is one of the most common trials that we deal with in working with college students, uh, which is ironic because everything at OSU is centered around building community. They have the the engineers all together, uh, they have the ag majors all together, the business majors they don't really care about, they're just scattered all over the place. That Everybody has their own building. Everybody has their own dorms. They're they're focused on building community, and yet college students are lonely. They're lonelier than ever. Uh, A few years ago, um, at Large Group, which is our Wednesday night Bible study where most of the students come, uh, one of our freshman girls went to the bathroom. And when she went to the bathroom, she walked in, and she found another freshman girl in the bathroom crying. And she said, hey, what are you crying for? What's going on? And this girl said, well, I haven't made any friends yet. I'm lonely and I don't have anyone to sit with. And that girl said, hey, I'm lonely too. Let's go sit together. They sat together that night. They became great friends over the next four years and they're still friends to this day. But loneliness was what brought them together. So I would ask you, do you need friendships? Do you feel lonely? If you had to sit down and list Five people that you know you could call on right now, and they would be a faithful friend, could you do it? And of those five friends, how many of them have you talked to in the last year? I think most of us, including pastors, would say, I probably can't. I probably don't have five close friends that I could call on that I've talked to within the last year. We're lonely. And this evidence supports what the Bible teaches from cover to cover. And it said it is not good for man to be alone. That we are created in the image of a triune God. That God has existed from all eternity. And God in the three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That those three persons have lived and existed in community together beholding one each other, enjoying one another, communicating with one another. The members of the Trinity are friends. Friendship is the basic building block of communities. They're friends, and because we're created in their image, we are created for friendship as well. Jesus said in John 17 that he and the Father existed in this glorious communion before the creation of the world. And he prayed that his disciples would share in that communion together and they would experience that glorious community. Wise friendships are friendships that draw us into that deep, intimate, glorious communion and help us become image bearers of God. We need wise friendships. We need to learn to grow and build wise friendships. Okay? So we're going to talk now about how we build those wise friendships. And I promised my daughter that I would give three things for little listeners to do during the sermon, and I have forgotten to do that. And now she's hand-motioning me that I should do it, so I'm going to do it. So if you're a little listener and you're out there, Adeline and Emery and Tucker and Francis and anybody else out there, this is what I want you to do. I want you to count the number of times I say the word friend or friendship from here on out. I want you to write down the three elements of being a good friend. And I want you to write down the passage where Jesus calls us friends. Okay? So that's three things for you to focus on. And maybe for everybody else if you're still trying to follow along. All right? So how do we build wise friendships? There are three elements to wise friendships. Faithfulness, transparency, and grace. Faithfulness, transparency, and grace. So first... We have to learn to be faithful. all right. Proverbs 14.20 says, The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. So this proverb contrasts two different types of people. A poor person who doesn't have anything to give is disliked by his neighbor. Right? Neighbor could also be translated in several passages in the Proverbs as friend. But the poor person doesn't have friends. He's disliked by them. But the rich has many friends, right? So what's the difference between these two people? Money, wealth. What is this passage saying? Is it saying that we shouldn't be friends with poor people and that poor people don't deserve friends? No. Is it saying that the best friends are, should be rich people and you should try to make friendships with people who have lots of wealth and can give you lots of things? No. Because if you look at Proverbs fourteen twenty one. Which is the passage right after that. It teaches, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is the he who is generous to the poor. So what these passages are doing is they're warning us against making fair-weather friends or being a fair-weather friend, right? A fair-weather friend is your friend when things are going well. They want to be your friend when you've got lots, when you're healthy and you're wealthy and you're happy and you've got lots of stuff that you can give to them. Right? That's not a true friend. A true friend is the friend described in Proverbs 17, 17. It says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. True friends love us no matter what the circumstances are. They love us no matter whether we're in sin or we're in suffering whether we're celebrating or mourning, whether we're rich or we're poor. They love us because they're our friends. And that friendship becomes even more intense as we go through suffering. That's why it says a brother is born from, through adversity. So as we walk through suffering with each other, we're transformed from friendships into family. Now, so to regain the lost art of building wise friendships, we have to grow in our faithfulness. We have to grow in learning to walk with each other through all the different circumstances in life. Uh, friendships don't happen overnight. They take time. This is one of the most challenging things to, to, work, to talk to college students about because they want to have these great friendships immediately. And lots of times they do get great friendships. Uh, being in college is like, uh, you know, if friendships are like growing grass, being in college together is like putting nitrogen on the grass, so they just, just grows fast, right? But it takes time. It takes time, uh, it takes time for, for middle-aged people and for parents. It takes time for all of us to make friendships. I know whenever Sherry and I got married and moved to Tulsa, uh, we did our premarital counseling with Mike and Victoria Dodson, and they told us that, it, that they had found that it usually took about three years once you move to a new place, to find good friends and to begin to build those, those good friendships. Three years. That's a long time. That's not right away. And we've probably found that to be true. We've lived in two different places now, and it's taken years to develop good friendships. Right? It happens, but it takes time. And I think part of the challenge that we run into uh, in our culture is that because we have uh, cars and highways... And planes, we can travel all over the world. And we can make friends all over the world. And so, and and we can, you know, when you go to college, you leave home. So you make all these friendships, or you tend to make friendships a lot as you're growing up. And then you go to college and you leave home. So our world, our friendships and our world become fragmented. They become separated. I mean, how many, I don't know, how many of us have lived in a place at least three years, long enough to even begin to build some good friendships. So we've got to, we've got to fight against that trend of um, wanting these friendships immediately. And we've got to uh, sort of cultivate a faithful presence with the people we're around so that we can develop these good, strong friendships. Uh, without faithful friends, then we're just going to have companions. And Proverbs 18.24 says that a man who has many companions hits adversity, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When we hit adversity, we need somebody who's going to stick closer than a brother. So the first thing we have to have is faithfulness. The second thing we have to have is transparency, okay? So Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And in 9 it says, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So a wise and faithful friend is a friend that's going to be open and honest with you. It's a friend that you can talk to about everything that's going on in your life. It's a friend that you can open yourself up to. It's a friend that you trust. It's a friend that will tell you what you need to hear, even if it's going to hurt. Contrast that with uh, a, a, a foolish friend or an unwise friend or an enemy, it says profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So you have somebody who's only telling you what you want to hear. If you have someone that's only complimenting you and flattering you, it's saying that that, that, that person might actually be an enemy. They might actually not have your best, best interest in mind if they're only telling you what you want to hear. Um, Proverbs 24, 6 says, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. If you want to kiss on the lips... If you want a good friend, ask them to give you an honest answer. So in order for us to develop these rise friendships, we have to begin to develop some transparency with one another. We have to have open and honest conversations. A few years ago, I was at a, a marriage counseling seminar, and the counselor said that there are three different types of conversations. He said there are news, sports, and weather conversations, Uh, Taking care of business conversations and abiding conversations, right? So news, sports, and weather, you're just talking about the everyday, like, normal stuff of life. It's small talk, right? Uh, Taking care of business conversations, you're, you're focusing on the things that need to get done in the day. Abiding conversations are those conversations where you're connecting with someone on a personal level. You're speaking heart to heart, right? And he said, then in a marriage, and in a friendship, you need to have all three of those different types of conversations. Now, the problem is uh, most of us really specialize in one or two of those conversations, right? We can talk about news, sports, and weather all day, but we don't want to talk about the serious stuff or the hard stuff. We can plan, 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 but we don't want to talk about the small talk, and we don't want to share our lives with each other. Um, we can talk about our lives we can really be intimate, but when it comes to, you know, getting things done, we just rather put the shut to the back burner. Um, Sherry and I often laugh because when we go on a date night, the, the purpose of the date night is like to abide with each other, and so we'll go out, we'll sit down for dinner, you know, we'll order, we'll order our food, and we'll start asking each other these like deep, personal, intimate questions. We start opening up. We start sharing our hopes, our fears, our doubts, our dreams, and after about five minutes of that, we get to the to-do list. And we start planning everything that needs to happen over the uh, you know, the next couple months. We're, we're not very good abiders. <laughs> we're, we're taking care of business people. Right? Sounds romantic, doesn't it? You all want to go on a date with me now? No. We've got to grow in our ability to have deeper conversations, to really abide with each other. Uh, a few years ago at our church in Tulsa, there was a man who um, was up for a deacon To be deacon of the church, and they went through the deacon process, and through the deacon process, he realized that his marriage was not in a good place to be a deacon. And so he stepped down, and he went home, and he sat down with his wife, and he said, Honey, am I your best friend? And she said, Nope. And uh, he said, You know, you're not my best friend either. We need to work on being best friends. And they set out after that, intentionally, purposely, faithfully, to become best friends. And it took time. It took trials. It was a struggle. But they eventually grew in their marriage to the point where they were were better friends. We may have to have those hard conversations with each other. We've got to grow in our transparency and our honesty if we really want to have uh, wise friendships. Um, Two side notes to having wise friendships and being transparent. One is, when people open up to you, um, you can't share their secrets, and you can't gossip. If your friends hear you telling secrets and gossiping, this is what they think. Huh, I wonder what they're saying about me behind my back. Or I wonder what they're going to do with my secret. Um, Proverbs 16, 28 says that a whisper separates friends. 11.13 says that gossip betrays confidence. See, all of us have this like friendship bank account, this, this trust bank account, and so whenever I tell you something or when we tell each other, you know, if you, if you share something with somebody else, it's like you're giving them a little bit of money and you want to see what they do with that money. Are they going to be responsible with that money? And if they're, if they're wise with it, Then you give them a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And you sort of build up this trust bank account. But if you share something with them, and then they squander that, then that's like a debt in the bank account, in the trust account. And you're gonna be less likely to give them some. And if you withdraw enough debts in that trust account, then you don't have a friendship, and you can't be trusted. So you've gotta be trustworthy with what people share. The other caveat I would say is, don't only make friends with people who agree with you. Um, Proverbs, let's see what it is here. 1717, 17, I think, that's what I have. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Iron clanging against each other can sharpen it, but those are opposing views, they're differing views. It is good and right for us to have people in our lives that are friends that have opposing views. We should have friends that are, you know, uh, we should Republicans and Democrats should be friends. Poor people and rich people should be friends. Black people, white people, brown people, red people—race should not separate us. We should be friends. We need to be cultivating friendships with different types of people. That's how we can learn and grow. So we need uh, faithfulness. We need transparency. And the last thing we need is grace. We need grace to have wise friendships. Proverbs twenty-one or twenty-two, eleven says. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Whoever covers over an offense, this is 17.9, whoever covers over an offense seeks love, but he repeats a matter separates close friends. 26, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. In Proverbs 21.10, the soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. A wise friend is a friend who cultivates a heart of grace. Uh, They use their words to build up all types of people. They forgive and they forget. They love in word and deed. They offer mercy and forgiveness. A foolish friend is a friend who does not cultivate a pure heart. It's a friend who allows their heart to be overcome with, with unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness uh, it's a heart that is, that is not pure. They withhold forgiveness. They treat others with contempt. And they wor- use their words to curse and not to bless. In order for us to create the, the kind of friendships we need, these, these deep, intimate, beautiful friendships that are going to make us into the image bearers that we need to be, we have to have grace. We just have to. Um, Anne Lamont talks about Um, forgiveness. To to have friendships, you've got to have forgiveness. Anne Lamont says, um, refusing to forgive is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. If you have someone in your life that you're refusing to forgive, if you have a friend that you're refusing to to forgive, what you're doing is you're swallowing rat poison and you're waiting for them to die. What's going to happen is you're going to die and your friendship is going to die. In order for us to have relationships that are, that, are, that are maintained, that are faithful, that are transparent, there's going to have to be grace. Uh, in our culture, it's easy to like somebody or follow them or befriend them on social media. But it's often uh, common to cancel them as soon as they say or do anything that you don't like. As soon as they disagree with you or they, they sin against you or they hurt you, you just cut them off. If we do that all the time, we are going to leave a wake of broken friendships behind us. And you know what's going to happen to us? We're going to be alone. You can't cancel everybody in your life the first time they sin against you or they disagree with you. We're sinners. We're going to sin against each other. We're broken people. We're going to hurt each other. That's reality. (laughs) We need God's grace to sustain our relationships and we need to be graceful with each other. Um, <laughs> during the, uh, the shelter in place, um, we spent a lot of time together as a family. We did everything together. And probably a lot of you were in the same situation. You couldn't go anywhere. So you did everything together as a family. And it, most of those times are really good, right? Like we, we played together, we laughed together, we ate together, we watched TV together. Um, all different types of stuff. But so we were, see we were faithful with each other and we were transparent with each other, but as we were faithful and transparent with each other, guess what happened? We sinned against each other. We hurt each other. We annoyed each other. And in that moment when, when the, the sin and the annoyance and the hurt comes in, there's a choice that we had to make. Were we going to see that sin and disengage? And pull back and withdraw. Were we going to numb ourselves? Were we going to be stuck in the spiral of unforgiveness and resentment? Or would we move forward in grace and love and forgiveness. And then continue to engage in that relationship. It was almost like a little experiment. I know I felt several times where I just wanted to pull back. But if I did that then I wasn't going to have these relationships with my family that I wanted. It's God's God's grace that leads us forward to engage in relationships that are loving and forgiving so that we can have deep, intimate, glorious friendships. So that's what we need. We need those three elements. Faithfulness, transparency, and grace. Those Those are the three legs of the stool on which our friendships can rest. Now, Wouldn't that be a glorious friendship? Just think about that. Wouldn't it be a glorious friendship if you had a friend that was faithful? A friend that was always there for you? A friend who was transparent, that that fully knew you, and you fully knew them, and you loved and accepted each other? And a friend that was gracious and kind and merciful all the time. Wouldn't that be a glorious friendship? Isn't Isn't that the kind of friendship that you would want to have? Wouldn't it be great if we had someone who stuck closer than a brother? Wouldn't it be great if we had someone who was with us at all times? Wouldn't it be glorious if we had all those things wrapped up into one person? The good news of the gospel is that we have that type of friend in Jesus. That's the kind of friend he is. We have that type of friendship with the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit— are the wise friends that we desperately want and need. This friendship that we're looking for is fulfilled in the Trinity. And Jesus even calls us his friends in John 15, verses 13 through 15. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls us friends. Jesus is the faithful friend. He sits closer than a brother. He's the friend that loves you at all times in sin and suffering. He's the friend that loves all people, especially those who are poor in spirit. Jesus is the transparent friend. He allowed himself to be fully known by us and fully seen by us. And he sees us. He sees everything that's in our hearts. And he loves us and accepts us, anyways. And Jesus is the gracious friend. His love is steadfast and merciful and forgiving. He called those disciples his friends on the night that he was going to be betrayed. That passage was recorded in the upper room in the passage of John. In, in, in In the book of John, it's recorded in the upper room when he is talking to his friends, and he's about to go die, and they're going to abandon him, and they're going to desert him. They're going to be unfaithful. Peter is going to deny him three times. He is going to be stripped and beaten and hung on a cross for his friends. He's going to lay down his life for his friends. The good news of the gospel is that in our friendships we see that we're much more sinful and broken than we ever imagined. But in Christ we see that we're much more loved and accepted than we ever dared to hope. That's the friend that we want and the friend that we need. That's The cure to our epidemic of loneliness is through the person and work of Jesus, God draws us into his fellowship where he calls us friends. And we engage in the glorious communion of the Trinity. And that transforms our hearts and our minds. And then we go out and we, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, endeavor to live and love the way God has loved us. We endeavor to be friends the way God has befriended us. Um, as, uh, the, the church, um, I, I wish that I could make a wave a magic wand and make loneliness go away. But I can't. And I wish that the church was a place where people were never lonely but it's not. Um, But I believe by the grace of God that as we as a body practice faithfulness and transparency and grace, that our friendships will grow. And that grace will become a type of place where sinners want to come and where they become friends with God and they become our friends. Um, It won't happen without the Holy Spirit. So let's pray the Holy Spirit would help us. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Uh, Father in heaven, (laughs) even as I I preach this sermon, as I thought about it all week, you know know my unfaithfulness. You know my hardness of heart, my slowness to love others the way that you have loved me. I thank you um, that in my brokenness, you have met me and been kind to me. I pray for my brothers and sisters here as as they hear about this glorious vision for friendships, they too probably feel some shame, some guilt, some loneliness, some remorse for their friendships. I pray that you would meet them now by the Holy Spirit and that you would show them that the good news of the gospel is that you have loved sinners and made them your friend. Jesus, what a friend of sinners Father, what a friend of sinners. Holy Spirit, what a friend of sinners. Help us to be a friend of sinners. I pray for this church that we would more and more become a place where people can come and be loved and feel your friendship. Help us to grow in friendships. Help us to be faithful, transparent, and gracious. In Jesus' name, amen.